the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus said in that passage, he said, I didn't come to condemn you because you're condemned already. Jesus was saying God gives us a love that cannot be exceeded so that he might give us a life that will not be exhausted so that we might have a light that cannot be extinguished. That's who our God is. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit of God saying, you need to be born again. So let's continue. Verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Notice what he asked. How? He doesn't say why. And that's what some of you do when you come to the things of God. Rather than saying, God, well, what do I need? And, and why do I need it? You, you think about the how and it slows you down because you're afraid of what others will think. Or you're afraid of what you've done in your past. And, and the how paralyzes you. In Nicodemus's case, he was looking for information. And yet information is never what changes us. You can be a biblical scholar And spend eternity separated from God in hell. He thought he needed information. But what he needed was transformation. And what Jesus is saying is that there's no salvation in information that lacks transformation. And and you may have been in a Bible drill. You you may have uh, gone to Sunday school all your life. You may have walked down an aisle and been dumped in a water. and, And you may have been to confirmation or church class. But you've never been transformed. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. All the old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's not what you know. It's who you know. In fact, all my life I've been in church when my dad was the pastor and nearly 30 years as I've served in ministry and pastored. And I hear people, they get upset and they want to leave a church because it's not deep enough. And I don't know if I've ever seen anyone that literally is leaving because it's not deep enough. Usually there's something they disagreed with and that's okay. Maybe it was worth disagreeing with, but it's not because it's not deep enough. The the truth is most of us don't need more educating. We are educated beyond our obedience. It's not the truth you know that changes you. It's the truth you apply. We need to apply the truth that God has given us. So let's continue. Verse 5, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So Jesus says, you want to know how? This is not from you. 
This is not something you do. It's from above. That word again can also be translated above. He's saying you need to be born from above. The way you're born from above is that it's not of anything you do. It's of God. God reaches down and changes you. Some of you have spent your life trying to change yourself. And you're nothing but frustrated because you can't do it. The only one who can change you is God. And so Jesus, one step ahead, as he always is, says, let me see if I can explain this to you, Nick. You know that night breeze we feel right now? That wind that's blowing those long locks on your head? Where's that coming from? Nicodemus is like, I don't know. Right, you don't know where the wind comes from, but you sense it. You know it's there. And the same thing is what happens when God comes from above and changes you. So Nicodemus again says in verse 9, how can these things be? Maybe that's your problem today. You're caught up on the how. And Jesus is just saying, trust me. Jesus said, are you, notice this, he says, are you the teacher of Israel? So now we realize Nicodemus is not only a Pharisee, very religious. He's not only of that sect that makes him a ruler of the Pharisees. He's the teacher. I want you to think about someone who you would identify in our culture today as the Christian. Just get that person in your mind. Usually because of my lifetime and my influence, I think of Billy Graham. He was the Billy Graham of that day. He knew more about the things of God than anyone on the planet other than the one he was talking to, Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus says, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand? What is he saying? You you can be religious and not be regenerate. Are, Are you an unsaved Christian? You identify yourself that way because mama told you to walk the aisle when you turned a certain age or because your family grew up in church or because you're an American and somehow you've identified that with your patriotism it's nonsense you need to be born again so then Jesus says truly truly I say to you we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen but you do not receive our testimony he's describing what happens in church every Sunday all across the world you come in and you hear the word of God that's what Jesus says you've heard the words but you don't receive it You walk out and you leave what's happened there like a crumpled bulletin on your seat. Nothing has changed. Jesus said, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how could you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one's ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. And then I think he kind of did like this and said, the son of man. And then he gets on Nicodemus's turf. He says, so as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He he talked with Nicodemus about something Nicodemus would understand, the Old Testament. If we had time, we would turn to Numbers 21. In Numbers chapter 21, you have this story that Jesus refers to. The children of Israel are once again complaining about Moses and to God. So they're complaining about their leader, and they're really complaining to God. And God did not like that then. And by the way, God does not like that now. And so God responds rather harshly. He sends poisonous snakes that that begin to bite the people. 
The next time you gossip about your pastor or your church, you need to pause and say, thank you, Jesus, for not sending a poisonous snake. But that's what he did. And so Moses, being tenderhearted, Moses began to pray to God. Oh, God, these are my family. This is my brothers and sisters. These are your children. Oh, God, spare them. Don't kill them all. And so God told Moses, okay, I I want you to take and make a model of the very thing that has taken their life. Make a bronze snake serpent and put it on a pole and hold that pole up. And anybody that looks at that pole will be saved. It's in that context that Jesus then looks at Nicodemus and says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the son, the only son of God. You see, in, in the Old Testament story, the people who were bit by the snake and injected with the poison, they were going to die unless they looked at the serpent on the pole. And and the truth is, Jesus was saying, Nicodemus, you and everybody else, even the most religious, even the church attenders on a Sunday morning, even those who are deacons and leaders and praise team members and technical workers, People on the cameras, everybody has been bitten and they're poisoned with sin. And that sin is going to be punished by death. And the only way to have life instead of that death is to not look to a serpent on a pole, but to look to a savior on a cross. That's the context of John 3.16. The most famous verse in the Bible. And I believe that passage speaks to questions that you may have today. So let me just give you three things that Jesus says about some of our faith questions. Number one, Jesus says, you must be born again. I want to be very clear. Christianity is an exclusive religion. You can't embrace what Christianity teaches and accept popular opinion today. Popular opinion today says we're all God's children. It says there's many paths to God. It says even if if you're a good Muslim or if you're a good Buddhist or if you're a good whatever, you're probably going to end up in heaven. That is contrary to Scripture. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. 
You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Either what Jesus has said is true or it's not. If it's not true, then you're dumb for wasting your time believing part of it. If it is true, whoever you are, whatever you've done, you must be born again. If I want to be a good Muslim, you know what I have to do? If I want to be a good Muslim, I just follow the five pillars of Islam. There are things I have to do. If I want to be a good Buddhist, you know what I have to do? I follow the noble eightfold path. There are things I have to do. If I want to be a good Hindu, <laughs> I just have to figure out a way to please some of the millions of gods that there are. But if I want to be a Christian, I must be born again. The second thing Jesus speaks to, the second thing he answers is Nicodemus's how question. Jesus says it takes faith to be born again. Just as you don't see the wind, you're, you're, you're not going to understand all of this. Jesus gives us permission to have questions. He's not intimidated by your questions. And guess what? That's okay that you have questions. To some of the problems that we face is we try to put God in a box. We think we've got to get it all figured out. And the truth is, I am so grateful that my God is bigger than me, that he's a God of mystery. I embrace the mystery because I recognize that I can only understand it if I trust what I cannot see. I try not to use Greek words because I don't want you to think you need to know Greek to read the Bible. But in this case, there is some significance. The word that we've all of our lives translated believe is the word pastuo. And it means really to believe, yes, but to trust or to place your confidence in. So Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you have placed your confidence in all of these laws that you followed, all of this knowledge that you have, all of these things that you've done. But that's not going to get you where you need to be. Your confidence needs to be in me. Paul put it this way in Ephesians. He says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works lest anyone should boast. And the truth is, some of you have been caught up in those works. If you were to be asked today, what is saving you? You would probably answer like, Lots of people throughout history. Well, I try to do my best. If, if you put the good things on one side and the bad things on the other side, I would hope the good would outweigh the bad and God would say, come on in. And, and yet, as you've heard today, that's not the answer. 
It doesn't matter how good you are. It's not good enough. It doesn't matter how many works you've done. You'll never do enough. And yet some of you, you're turned off by the things of church because you've been at churches where the ones think that way and they walk around boasting because of all their works. And they're probably unregenerate, unsaved. Jesus says you must be born again. Jesus says it takes faith to be born again. And then Jesus says when you're born again, you live forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And though this is the most familiar verse in the Bible, I think it's been confusing. Because all of us understand that we die. Most of us have lived enough to see someone we love die. And so we quote that verse and we say, yes, we got eternal life, but we don't understand it. And again, this is a little bit of a language thing. The the truth is these earliest followers of Jesus that understood this, these who had seen Jesus like Peter and Paul, they talked of death differently. Listen to Paul as he's talking to his young mentee, Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 6, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He's not talking about leaving Timothy, he's talking about leaving this world, and he calls it a departure. Peter does the same thing in 2 Peter 1.15. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you'll be able at any time to recall these things. Departure. What does departure imply? I'm leaving one place, and I'm, I'm going to another place. It's not an end. It's just a, it's just a different context. It's a different setting. I think you understand that, right? Some of you are traveling. Aren't you grateful that we're out in the world again and can go to church and can go vacation and go all of these places? Some of you are going to go to TPA. That's the Tampa International Airport. And when you get to the Tampa International Airport, you're going to see two signs. One says arrival and one says death. Right? No, 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 no. Who would... Who wouldn't want to go to the airport and say, okay, come this way. This is the way to death. No, it it says departure. Because that's a different meaning. And some of you just had an aha moment. What you get through Jesus is you get to live forever with him. So what do you get if you don't have Jesus? Jesus calls it perishing. Elsewhere in the Bible, it's called eternal death. Eternal death. If you're a Christ follower, you do not have to fear death. But none of us look forward to dying. Next week, I'll celebrate the second Father's Day. But my dad's changed his destination. That he's in heaven. You know, after his death, man, we celebrated his life. We didn't have to worry about him anymore. But the nine months prior, I'll be honest, it was kind of like hell on earth. We watched him die. And the Bible says a life without Jesus is eternal or forever dying. I believe in a place that's a literal hell. It's a place of fire, the Bible describes. But even if you don't want to think about it that way, just think about your worst fears of dying. 
Most of us pray that we would die in our sleep, right? Forever dying. What do you have to do to experience forever dying? Not a thing. Jesus said in that passage, he said, I didn't come to condemn you because you're condemned already. Did you catch that? Why are we condemned already? Because it's not what we do. It's who we are. It's not all these sinful acts that you you do in your life. It's the nature with which you live. And that nature, that sin in your life, unless it's dealt with, unless you're born from above, unless you're born again, unless there's a moment where the Spirit of God transformed you, it's that nature that will change you into an eternal death. But what do you do to have to experience that life? You just got to look to Jesus. Jesus was saying God gives us a love that cannot be exceeded so that he might give us a life that will not be exhausted so that we might have a light that cannot be extinguished. That's who our God is. You have to be born again to experience eternal life. So I ask you today. Have you been born again? If I were to ask you your birth date, unless you have a memory issue, you probably would know that. Do you remember the time that you were spiritually born? As Dr. Stock said, if it's not a date, I don't remember the date. I remember where I was and how old I was. Do you remember? Can you go back to that moment? If you can't, Why not nail that down today? So before we pray, let me just tell you, this isn't a question of your ancestry. You're not born again because mama took you to church. It's not a question of your accomplishments. You're not born again because you're a deacon, a leader, a teacher, or a pew sitter. It's a question of your acceptance. Have you accepted who you are and the need you have for Jesus? You're not born again because something you've been told about. A lot of people I talk to, well, mama told me I walked down the aisle when I was eight years old. Well, tell me about it. Well, I don't remember anything. I know they dunked me in the water, but it's not something you've been told about. Being born again is not what you've been taught. It's not just knowing facts. It's about transformation. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Again, I want everyone in the room just to stand to your feet. I want you to look this way. In just a moment, I'm going to ask us to bow our heads in prayer. And then I'm going to pray for you. I believe with all my heart, there are teenagers and college students in this room that need to be born again. I believe there are young adults that need to be born again. I believe there are parents my age that have children who are active in church, but as they listen to the word of God today, realize I'm not saved. I need to be born again. I believe there are senior adults who've served, just like Dr. Stock said, some of you longer than I'm alive, but you need to be born again. You may be on our technical team and you need to leave your position of service and be born again. 
in just a moment after I pray, we're going to sing that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It's like looking to that serpent on the pole, except we're looking to a Savior on a cross. And if you need to be saved, I'm going to ask that just as we begin to sing, you step out of your seat and you just come and stand and face me right here at the front. Would you bow your heads with me? Our pastors are coming. They're standing here even right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know all week we've prayed for this moment. You know, just before I walked on this stage, I begged you that people would be born again in this service just as there were in the last service. Lord, you know that men and women gathered on yesterday morning and we touched these chairs and we prayed for the people that were sitting there. And we prayed that the people who would be in those seats would be born again today. So God, I pray that you answer those prayers for your glory. In the name of Jesus. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.